What? Where are you going? I'm not leaving. What the fuck? I just hit record. Fix my chair. Leave. Jesus Christ. Okay, I got my chair in the right spot. Oh, God, it's fucking high maintenance. Today, can we start the show? Let's go. It's time. I have no idea what episode this is, but I promise you this. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be a classic. Uh, I can't read your hands. 40, 35. Episode 35, according to the hand gestures from Rod Ryan, I'm Jason Ginty. It's good to be back doing a podcast with my BFF in the whole wide world. Uh, Rod, it is good to be back doing this after a long holiday break. We've been eating Happy shit. New Year. Happy New Year. It's 2022, I believe. And we've been eating shit online. I've been getting all kinds of messages. Hey, what are you fuckers doing? Where's the podcast? It's like, wow, people actually missed it. I'm shocked at the amount of people who missed this podcast. And with that three being people, said, three people, one of them was your mom. So yeah, actually, it's I funny. Don't know if that really counts. My mom asked me, she, we were talking, uh, you know, over Christmas break, and she's like, Hey, what what happened to the podcast? I, I kind of miss it. I'm like, Jesus, my own mom misses the podcast. It's really, really funny. You know, and I never mentioned this to you at your 50th when, when I got because I, I hadn't seen your mom and dad in forever. I, hadn't, mm-hmm. I just hadn't seen them in, in a long, long time. And uh, and she did. She brought it up. I didn't say anything. You know, we were just kind of chit chatting about stuff. And she said, you know, if you really want that duck lamp, uh, you can have it. But. <laughs> She said, I think Todd, your brother, she goes, I think Todd kind of wants it, but if you really want it. <laughs> so I think there's going to be a moment that we're all kind of fighting for that duck lamp that was going back probably 10 podcasts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had like, uh, I was doing the show for my mom's house. I went up for a visit right. and there's just this, I think it's a pelican or a duck, I don't know, whatever. And, and you commented on it. <laughs> She's like, oh my God, if he wants the yeah. lamp, he can have it. Well, then she realized she promised it to my brother and it's like, oh shit. So anyway, we got a lot to cover today, Rod. I know you were uh, out traveling over the holidays. I was definitely out traveling over the holidays. And then earlier today, you sent me a great, simple, but great top five list. And Did you like it? it? Every week, it's like, I love it and I hate it because once I started yeah. doing my homework, I was like, Oh shit, here we go. I spent about two hours going through everything. Tell me, me what too. you sent me. It's so great. It's so good. Well, if you if you've been on social media at all lately, you see like this montage running of you know songs turning, and 30 seems to be the big one. Uh, I keep seeing the one, you know, songs turning 30 years old in 2022. And you know, we've gone back to some years before. Uh, I can't remember the reason that we went back to 96, but that was a really interesting year. I thought I liked 1996, the year in music. I think it really was wild. It was all over the place. It right. was chumba wumba e. Um, but I thought we would go back 30 years and you know, it's the first show back. It's the first show of the new year. So as we are in 2022, what about we go back to 1992? Now this show has talked a ton about 1991. 1991 is when all of those albums came out, when Nirvana's Nevermind hit and Soundgarden and Pearl Jam and Metallica's Black Album. But if you think about 1991, let's just use, Nirvana as an example. So Nirvana comes out in 91 and they release, everybody knows, you know, smells like teen spirit. So that single is considered a 1991 song. If a song is on an album from 91, but not released until the following year, 
That song counts as a song from 1992. So the other three singles off of Nirvana's Nevermind, those are 1992 songs. Right. Pearl Jam Alive was the only single from Pearl Jam 10 that was released, you know, in 1991. So those are all in play. And, you know, it's an interesting year, too, because that's when you and I kind of get put together. 1992, you know, we get we get the Alice in Chains second album. We get the first Stone Temple pilot album. I don't know if you remember when we got, we got the Black Crows, you know, and Remedy. And and I don't want to give too much away, but we're going to talk about, um, we're going to talk about the year 1992. We're going to talk about 30 years ago. We we can get into like things that happened. Uh, We don't have to talk about who won the Super Bowl that year, Um, but we we can talk about movies. Uh, But I, I did want to put together and I wanted to talk your top five favorite songs from 1992, provided they were released that year. Doesn't matter when the album came out. Yeah, that, that kind of threw me because I was like, ooh, this is a good one. And I looked it up and I'm like, oh, fuck. The album came out from 92, but the single was, you know what I mean? Like it was all, a, a yes. couple of my songs didn't make the cut because I knew that there's going to be a damn technicality in there somewhere. I'd be willing to bet, Rod, that you probably... I don't know if you could guess one song on my list. That's how crazy my list is. Well, because it doesn't have to be. That year was still kind of squirrely, okay? Very. The, the radio station for Jason and I, our college radio station, we were doing a metal show. And the radio station that we were kind of working at or wanting to work at, that station hadn't flipped to alternative yet. So... Our world, the station that we wanted to be at, was still a rock station. So they were playing Nirvana, and they were playing Megadeth, yeah. and they were playing Van Halen, and then they were playing Pearl Jam. And it, it was just a squirrely couple of years there before the station in Buffalo made the flip um, to a full-time alternative station, which we've talked about ad nauseum on this podcast, how Jason and I got our real first full-time jobs. So 92 is interesting, man. There's a little bit of everything in there. I mean, there's everything, you know, there's right said Fred and there's achy breaky heart. I mean, not not that our radio stations were playing that, but so help me God, if you have achy breaky heart in your top five, number four, um, number four, I want to get it out of the way. I'm quitting the podcast. Oh Jesus! If you have Billy Ray Cyrus in your top five, no, I get baby got back. What I just looked it up, Rod, and I know you're dying to know. A uh, Rumble Dog song came out in '93, so we does we don't have no Rumble Dog on this one, and we're not stumbling and rumbling, brother. Ah, uh, what a dick! I know what an asshole, right? So I just wanted to give you an update because I did turn uh, 50 in, on November 30th of uh, this past year. So I want to give you an update on how 50 is going for me. Yeah, yeah, it's it's fucking going great, dude. Yeah. I am probably probably the best 50 year old ever. I got to be honest. I'm you probably you're specifically like you're the best 50 year old of all time. I'm feeling it. I really think I am. Now, look, I remember seven, eight top years five, ago, top five 50 year olds that will do that next week. And you're going to tell me that you'd be number one on the list. I can't, I can't think of anyone who's done better. <laughs> I don't think anyone. And I'm only a couple, I'm only like five or six weeks into this thing. I remember seven or eight years ago when you turned 50, you did hey. pretty what? <laughs> I turned 52 years ago, Dick, two years ago, well, whatever. And um, I remember you did pretty good. You did well. Your 50 was good. I remember you were dropping, you were throwing out like sevens and eights every day. You know, you were seven on one day, eight on another day. 
right? Dude, I'm, I am dropping tens every day. I am a 10 every day since I turned 50. I'm telling you, man, I am crushing 50 right now. You why, know why are you doing 50 better than everybody? Yes, I want to know why. Dude, I'm ripping it up. For example, um, I ran a marathon on November 30th. Great. Not, I'm not bragging. I'm just saying that's pretty good for your first day of 50. Um, I signed up a couple weeks later for a, uh, a race. One, I won my age group by like a minute. I killed everybody. I came what, in 15th. How long, how long was the race? It was a, uh, a 10K, 6.2 miles. Okay, a and 10K, and you came in your time. You had the best time in what age bracket? 50 to 60 or whatever the hell it is, 50 to 59. I crushed okay. it, uh, first place. So, and I came in 15th out of the whole damn race. Like I was crushing that Any race. idea how many people were in this race? Six. No, no, it was like, a, like 130. It wasn't a big race. So, you know, okay. I got lucky with the numbers, okay? But still, I won. So I won. I'm a winner. I'm a champion, if you want to look at it that way. At, a fi at 50 years old, I'm a champion. Um, garbage disposal. Like, you sound like one of these sales guys, how they cut up radio numbers. It's like, you can kind of carve out number ones. Totally. And you, it depends how you skin that cat. All day but long. But still, I'm proud of you. Congratulations. Killing it. Let's keep rolling with this. Water was pissing out from underneath my kitchen sink uh, right before Christmas. Got family coming over. What was the problem, Rod? My uh, garbage disposal was leaking. It's old. So what did I do? Did I cry? Did I complain? No. I went down to the Home Depot and I got me a new fucking garbage disposal. And like a dude, wrenched it out. The old one, wrenched in the new one. No leaks. All done. <sighs> 50, bitch. 50. I drop in tens every single day. Every single day I'm dropping tens, dude. Dude. The bathroom sinks were leaking, right? What did I do? Did I call somebody? No. Went out, said to the wife, what kind of new faucet you want in the, in the master uh, bedroom? She goes, I want these. I go, cool. Boom. Came in, got under the sink, broke my back, but broken back, 50, fixed, installed, brand new faucets. It is unbelievable. Pretty impressive. It's unbelievable. Uh, I'll give you that. It's pretty impressive. Dude, um, I'm dropping tens every day. I'm dropping tens, dropping tens. And we'll get into this in a minute. But I, I took a trip uh, with the family. Uh, we were down in Belize from the couple days after Christmas through uh, this past Monday. Belize is unbelievable. Okay. Say Go it. ahead. I know. I'm not going to say it. It's no, unbelievable. No, no, Dick. You say it because you went there for your honeymoon uh -huh. and you had some sort of an unbelievable thing. Like it was, it uh, was, I don't know if it was, we were funding your trip or whatever, but there yeah. was an unbelievable theme going on at your wedding. I mm -hmm. don't forget anything. No, no. And it, it was great. And it was great this time. It was, we were so making freaking... fun of you behind <clears throat> your back. Like that doesn't happen every day. But that's, but see what's great about that is when you're 50, you don't fucking <laughs> care. And that's why you drop tens as a 50 year old every single day. Dude, okay. I they, they said, hey, we're gonna go snorkeling off the second longest reef in the world off of uh, off of Belize, right? Central America. I go, cool. And they go, there's gonna be sharks down there. And I go, okay, I'm 50, man. I'm, I'm dropping tens every day. Let's go. Let's dive into a pile of sharks. They were nurse sharks, so don't get excited. But still, everyone on the boat's like, ooh, I don't know. First one off the boat, guess who it was? Hmm. Some some lady who was like 70, she didn't she figured she wasn't gonna live that much longer. I was the second guy off the boat, dude. I went in, sharks, stingrays, petting them, swimming around the whole nine yards, dude. Okay. Dropping tens every fucking day. 50. I'm probably the best 50-year-old ever. Sally O'Malley. <laughs> I don't know okay. who that is. 
you're going to know who it is. You're going to want to go and you're going to want to look up Sally O'Malley. And I'm going to leave that up to everybody that's watching this podcast now. A, a Saturday name. night, a Saturday night live skit. Sally O'Malley. If that ain't my boy Jason right now, nobody is. I'm 50. I kick, I stretch, and I can kick. <laughs> I'm 50. Like you it. are a SNL skit right now. Um, yeah. uh, I forgot the girl, the girl that played uh the girl that played superstar. Uh she played the character Sally O'Malley, and you are absolutely Molly Shannon. Molly you Shannon. 100%, you are 100% Sally O'Malley. I'm glad you're owning it, bro. Um, I think owning. it's for everyone else to look forward to. Uh, I do feel that, I don't know that I was dropping tens the way that you were, but seven, I, I sixes. But I feel that 50, um, it was just a number. It helps when you're comfortable with your station in life. And part of turning 50, you become comfortable with your station in life. Now, if you're happy with, if you're unhappy with your career and if you're unhappy with the way your life's going or your marriage or whatever, that's not going to magically change at 50. No. But, but what I think you're kind of talking about is you just become a little bit, you come, you become cooler. Um, you become cooler with things, you become cooler. And if you're, if, I think it's giving somebody, it's giving a lot of people something to look forward to. If you think 50 is old, it, you know, just beginning, listen to this guy dropping tens every day, every uh, single day. Like I'm doing a podcast right now. That's, that's 50 doing podcasts. That's dropping tens right there. And I, and I'm, and I'm kidding about being the best, whatever. I'm probably top five for sure, but definitely kidding. But the reason I push this whole, hey, I'm 50, I'm kicking ass thing, I don't give a shit. Personally, I do what I do. I got my own problems and stuff. But, you know, everyone I graduated high school with, they're all turning 50 this year. And they're all bitching. I'm old now. I got my ARP card. And they're going that way with it. You know, they're just accepting their fate of, oh, I'm old now. And I'm mad. And I'm like, fuck you, man. I'm diving in the water and I'm going to swim with some sharks. I'm going to keep going. I'm not going that way. I'm going the other way. I'm going to keep rocking. You know? Are you, let's see, celebrities turning 50 in 2022. Um, are you out 50-ing Eminem? I'm not coloring my beard. Okay, so I'm, I am. I am okay. out 50-ing. Eminem is coloring, dyeing his beard. Mine's gray as shit. Don't care. Now, Bring it. Think, about, think about who he's tapping right now. Who is Eminem tapping right now? No, the, my next name. I, uh. I, never know, I never know what Eminem's doing. Uh, <laughs> Are you out 50-ing Ben Affleck? Are you? And I love your wife. She's very beautiful. Are you out 50-ing Ben Affleck? You know, I just saw that movie, The Last Duel, and he's in it with Matt Damon. And Ben Affleck has got like a blonde wig and a blonde beard. And when I first saw him in it, I went, what a fucking loser. But the movie was great. I'm like, okay, God damn it. And then he's crushing J-Lo, dude. I mean, but he's still Are Ben you? Affleck. He's still Ben Affleck. And there's something just always a little off about him. I just can't wrap my head around him being cool. But yeah, I'd say Ben's, he's, okay, I'm, I'm down to number two. I'm down to Are number you two. out 50-ing The Rock? He's 50? Yeah, this year. Oh, no, he's probably, you know, no, no. Nobody's out rocking The <laughs> Nobody, Rock. Nobody's, nobody's out. fucking doing what The Rock is doing. 
If you're 30, you're not out 30 in the rock at 50. Okay. Let's just say that. Just uh, think I'll, about, think about just the shape he's in is stupid. And then, you know, the actor, the, the what is it, the XFL he's putting together for like next year yeah. or some shit. I mean, he's yeah. got vodka or tequila. Or, I mean, no, nobody's out fucking doing the rock right now. I'm trying to find somebody that you're for sure out 50ing. Uh, uh, you, you know who just turned? Shaq. Yeah. Are you I'm out 50ing Shaq? Dude, look at Shaq. He's a mess. <laughs> I'm gonna come see you, Jason. What do you mean I'm a mess? I'm not a mess. This nah. is Shaq. I'm fifty. Um, you know who I'm, I'm not out about fifty? Jared Leto just turned fifty. No, he's kicking my ass. So I'm down to three. I'm down to number three. Okay. Jared Leto is he just turned fifty, actor, climbing rocks all the time, singer. No, no, he's winning. I will allow you number three on that list. No problem. No problem at all on that list. I, I think you're uh, embracing 50 and you're crushing 50. Uh, congratulations. You know what? So, it, it, it's, all, it's all about just, just, just who gives a shit. Just be you. Do your thing. Be cool. That's it. It's a message here, man. It's a message, right? So I went home for, for Christmas. And again, I know we took a lot of shit for not doing the podcast for a number of weeks, but I was gone and then you were gone and there was a lot. It's like, okay, you know what? It's December. It's a little squirrely. So it, it's good to be back on. I did go back home. Uh, everybody asked, you know, how was the weather? The number one thing with Buffalo. And it rained a little. It, 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 it rained a little bit because um, it wasn't quite cold enough to snow. And then it did snow uh, two times. And it was just enough snow that my kid, who's, I can't say three and a half anymore. She's going to be four soon in three months or in, geez, two months. Wow. So. She just, she wanted to have, and I'm at the point in my life now, and I'm not going to buy my kid anything she wants, but I, I do want to provide for my kid. So, you know, she wants a unicorn for Christmas. Okay, we got it. We'll take care of it. We'll do this. What do you want? She wanted a real snowball fight. She's seen it in enough Christmas specials that oh, no way. there's, it's amazing. Even like, think about Elf. And she watches these elf on the shelf things. There's always a scene because they're Christmas specials. They're always set in the snow. There's always at some point, just a little mini, if it's not a huge, like the, the scene in elf is huge with the Christmas, with the, uh, with the snowball fight. Right. My kid wanted a real snowball fight. I can't buy that for her. You know, like I cannot. And if we go and do all that shit and go up North and I can't produce a real snowball fight, I suck. Right. Thank God it was that really awesome packing snow. Um, and it lasted till about noon so we could play in the snow and, and had a snowball fight. So that was pretty awesome. But it wasn't super snowy. Um, it, you know, I, I'm not global warming guy. I don't know anything about climate change. But I can, I can tell you that I feel like, and maybe we just, and you can tell me the same with you. I don't know if I just romanticize what Christmas looked like, but I feel like, Nine out of 10 Christmases when I was a kid was snow. And now as an adult, nine out of 10 Christmases are not snow. It's weird, man. Wasn't it, wasn't there snow on the ground every Christmas when we were kids? It seemed like it. One? Yeah, because it was always Christmas Eve at my grandmother's house. And we always seemed to drive, drive home in a damn snowstorm or somebody right. had to go pick up food or some do something. And, you know, the parents are out there warming up the car for 20 minutes while the kids are all getting their jackets on, yeah. scraping the windows. And yeah, yeah. No, I, I remember it almost always being uh, uh, snowing at Christmas. And you're a little kid. So it's like, oh, wow, we got fresh snow for Santa. This is going to be great. Yeah. Holy shit. So it was always cool. I got a question, Ron. Um, sure snowball fight right with your kid 
I mean, did you wreck her? She's got no experience. You had to win, right? You did yeah. win. No, I destroyed her. I Good. destroyed her. Right. Um, you right. you got to learn early. I cannot, I will not let my kid, you know, get the better of me. And even my sister got in on it. I mean, you know, the Yankees are tough, man. Aunt Sue started humming some, you know, at the kid. And the jacket that I bought her, it was, it's hard to explain. It was like kind of fleecy. Mm -hmm. Um and the snow, as like I was telling you, you know, is that really good packing snow? Oh, so when it hits, it hits kind of hard because the snow is a little heavier. Mm -hmm. But it stuck to her. It didn't. It didn't like bounce off or like oh. if you had like a vinyl, if you had like a vinyl or like a plasticky jacket, it oh. didn't. It it just it stuck to her. That's the best because then it looks like wounds. <laughs> it looks like yeah. white wounds. Like that's a wound. Yeah, that's a wound. And then made like the world's worst snowman and stuff. But it was awesome. Uh, great being up north. Um, I, I had a moment that I wanted to share. And, you know, having a kid, you, there's these little moments. And you know when you know. I, you know, you either, you know, when you have a kid, there's these unexpected things. There's a lot of things, milestones, when your kid walks for the first time, your kid craps, your kid uses the toilet, the potty for the first time, that sort of thing. Those are all kind of, you know, landmarks that everybody kind of goes through. But then there's like little things. And I had one. And I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's big for everybody, but because of what we do, my kid, uh, we listen to nothing but Christmas music. Normally when I go back to Buffalo, I'll listen to our old radio station. I'll listen to the classic rock station that we interned at, get to listen to all the great Canadian radio. Yeah. And it's just the kid and I driving around and we just listened, I, I listened to nothing but Christmas music. And I, and I loved it because she learned the, the words, all the words she could make it all the way through Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. So and it, I, going into the trip, She's already kind of doesn't care about watching Rudolph, the Rankin and Bass things that we talked about the last time we did a podcast. Right. She, those do not keep her interest at all. They're too slow. They're just not, they're not, they're not this, they're not snappy enough. So she doesn't care anything about watching Rudolph, but she digs the song and we're driving around and the song comes on the radio and I don't necessarily hear it, and the kid's in the back seat, in their kid's seat, and I'm just driving, and my gonna-be four-year-old goes, turn it up, Dad! <laughs> nice! She asked me to turn up the radio. My kid was listening to the radio, what we call terrestrial radio. She wasn't listening to a stupid podcast. She wasn't listening to XM Sirius. She wasn't listening to her phone or a Spotify playlist. We were listening to the radio. My kid told me to turn it up immediately, dude. It was fucking awesome. It was awesome. I felt the same way when my kid used the potty for the first time and I didn't have to like, you know, I, I could get some more mileage out of the diaper. My kid asked me to turn up the radio, bro. That's it was awesome. awesome. Yeah, it was amazing. That is really cool. That oh, I mean, and we sang the shit out of that Rudolph yeah. right there. I was so happy, dude, in that moment. Um, what what does it mean? I don't know. It just it was cool that my kid recognized the radio. I mean, you know, she likes songs on the radio. She doesn't know what any of them are. Just what I'm forcing her to listen to. Um, but that was the first time that she said, "Hey, I, hey, this." That what, what I did when I was a little kid, when I heard something on the radio and I got excited, 
I feel like that's the first time that she heard something on her own and said, radio, turn that up. Turn it up. Am, am I overthinking this or am I explaining the moment right properly? It's just huge to me. Well, it's the, it's, it's, I mean, sure for you, the radio thing is great, but it's also like her discovering music and a song she likes, you know, that's the original, yes. that's where it all begins for the, for the music adventure that she's going to end up taking because, you know, I know my kid is on a music adventure that's been just crazy the last 10 years. I mean, we listened to everything. I don't just stay in my lane and we're not listening to Van Halen every day. In fact, we rarely do, right. um, but we listen to everything. And he's like, Oh, that's a good song. Or we'll discuss. Oh, I don't know if I really like that song. When we hear a new song, we're like, I don't know what you think. Right. And then we go back and forth. So you're opening up doors that are just going to be rewarding. You're going to get into arguments in about four years about songs. You're going to start, then you're going to try to explain your way, why it should be a radio hit and why it isn't. And then the kids going to be like, who gives a shit? I don't like it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure all of that you know? is coming. But, but it, to have a, that moment where she said, you know, again, it was just she heard it. the first couple of notes and she's like, turn it up, dad. Yeah. I was like, fucking right, I'm going to turn this up. And we we cranked Rudolph about it. I mean, the rental as loud as it could go. And again, we just we but we sang it and I couldn't have been I couldn't have been more happy. It really was a huge moment for me. Um, those, those are those great moments that you, you know, you're, you, even when you explain it and you, it's just those moments with your own kid that those little things and they pop out of nowhere all the time, you know, especially as she starts to get older and, and you know, is learning more and more things, dude. It's that's just going to come fun. It's it, going to come at you. It wasn't her first step. It wasn't the first time that she rolled over. I know from People having kids, those are the things that you're looking for. The first time they say mama, the first time they say dada. My kid said dada first. But I'm told that that's pretty common, that kids say dada first. But I would like to go on record as saying my kid said dada before mama. Um, <laughs> but no one told me that was one of those things that nobody told me. Of course, there's a million unexpected things. And you look at your kid in wonderment every single day. Um and, and I can't see that ever going away, but it was just, it was something that it, it wasn't in a book. It wasn't a talked about milestone. It wasn't a top 10 or for our sake, it wasn't a top five things you can't wait for your kid to do. It wasn't anything that I expected. It just caught me off guard and probably does have a little bit something to do that you and I are both on the radio, but I just heard she was just appreciating the radio and that's all we had when we were young. And, you know, you waited for your favorite song to come on. All these things came to me, you know, all of this, as I'm singing the song, I'm, I'm processing everything and I'm so excited in the moment, but I want to sing along with her. But I, I remember that I, I still think radio is magical. I do. And it's hard because there's so much out there now. There's so much that we didn't have to compete with. Radio was competing, it was radio and television. And you know, there was movies and, but there was radio and television really, right? And, uh, and now there's a million things, but I still, and I, I, and I do take that mindset going into now, uh, I just celebrated my 18th year anniversary here in Houston. And, you know, I got to talk up my team and I'm talking to Alex and Tessa and Chili and I'm sending them an email before we start working. I'm trying to get everybody pumped up a little bit. And I'm telling everybody, I go, listen, this is not, a, I'm just saying I'm starting my, you know, I've done 18 years. This is season 19. 
If you look at seasons of television shows, seasons of radio shows, this is the 19th season of the Rod Ryan show in Houston. Wow. Okay. The, the season before that 19, you know, 18 years it was with you. Right. <laughs> you know, that's right. how long ago I made mean, you and I were on the, did the morning show in new Orleans. And then I came here. So, uh, you know, hitting that milestone of 18 years thinking that, you know, Jesus, it's, it's so cliche to say that it's gone by quickly, but I'm pumping the guys up and I'm like, listen, I'm still fired up. I'm still excited. Um, I still, I went into the office because I'm a fucking maniac and I don't want any surprises on my first day back. So I got to sign in. I got to make sure that all my live spots and I make sure that everything's up to date and everything like that. I, I just have to do that. I have to go in the studio. I have to make sure my key card works to get in the building. I don't want any surprises on my way back and I'm trying to get everybody fired up. Um, I, I still think there's magic in radio. As we talk on a podcast, which to me still qualifies as radio because you're in radio, I'm in radio. This podcast is carried on your website, your radio station's website, my radio station's website. That's radio, kids. Your telephone, okay? Your phone. This is radio. Right. It's just, I, I will not even entertain that kid that says, or the person that says, oh, I... You're on the radio? I mean, how's business? Is it is it all right? Now, I get that if you say that about a, somebody working at the newspaper. Um, <laughs> that I understand, okay? They're fucking dying over there. Right. Radio is killing it. It We are killing it. And I'm not just drinking the Kool-Aid. It's, it's just the dominating force of what touches people every single day. So many people, even with the pandemic, are still in their cars listening to the radio. And uh, I'm still fired up about it. And having that moment and those little bit, that little bit of magic and everything, I know I'm really going off on a long thing here, but um, still excited about, you know, this is radio to me, what you and I are doing, even though it's a podcast. And yeah, we can say things like fuck. Yeah, which is so freeing. And actually, Shit. I wanted to ask you. Fuck, what? I wanted to ask you, like, like because, you know, we're such we're such students of the game. Like, you know, you see you always see with football, to use a sports analogy, which we probably should do more of on this podcast, is, you know, the coaches always, you know, you, you look at interviews of these great coaches and they're, they're students of the game still. They study the game. They appreciate the game. They, they, yep. they, they know the X's and O's and they just find every little nuance to continually get better. And I think you and I continually do that every single day. I had a conversation uh, with someone earlier today. And I said, well, look, every single day, every single day, I listen to the, you know, the competing radio stations in, you know, in and out of format who we go up against. And I find ways to crush their souls every single day. Because that's the way we were brought up. Crush them, kill them, stomp them yeah. out, you know. And then I also listen to my own radio station and find ways to crush us. I listen to my own show to breaks and I'll go, well, how could, how could someone kick my ass with what I just said? So it's a constant, 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 at least for me, and I'm, and I, I'm not speaking for you, but I know it's true for you too, is that we are constantly trying to get better. I, and I, my question is, has doing this podcast, because I know what my answer is, has doing this podcast, because it's a different vibe than your morning show, 100% from oh, what yeah. I can tell. It's has a it, lot. Go ahead. 
has it, is it helped you in any way in your regular day job and all, like, does it make you kind of go, Oh, you know what? And I don't know what the question really is, but is it, is it, is it, have you benefited from this podcast in the day-to-day job? I get to bore you with that story about my kid listening to the radio. I get to do, I get to talk about that for six minutes here. If I'm going to tell that story, and I think I did share that story, it was 30 seconds. So I don't think I was as passionate about it. I don't know that it was relayed. And it's just the nature of the beast. I mean, we get to talk a lot in the morning show. We get, but we're up against a clock. I mean, the whole time that I'm talking on the air, same thing for you. Um, you know, you're, you're looking at the clock, you know, you got songs, you got to play, you got commercials coming up. It's like, okay, I know I can go this long here. And then I got to get into my break and do all of that. I'm believe it or not, the whole time I'm talking on the air on the morning show, I'm fucking doing math. Okay. I'm trying to just, I'm just trying to talk and have a good time and shoot the shit and try not to say shit. And, uh, but I'm doing math the whole time. Cause I'm looking at a clock, tick, 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 tick. And then I say something and I'm thinking, okay, let me get out right here. And Tessa jumps on that idea. And I'm like, oh, shit. Okay, I got to let her go, right? And it's like, okay, now I really got to make up time. And I'm constantly doing math. So what this has done is it's given a little opportunity to, you know, to to be, to, to get into, to let it breathe a little bit. Let the stories breathe. The pacing of this is far different from what we do in the morning show. Even when you and I did mornings 19 years ago, yeah. uh, the pacing is completely different. I I wanted to sit down for the podcast. Um, I stand still uh, mm-hmm. when, I, when I'm on the air doing the morning show. And people ask, well, why do you do that? Um, I just want the energy. I want to stand. It's It's four hours, okay? My sister's on the line at General Motors you know, for eight and a half hours every day. It's not a big, she's on the line. She's not sitting in a comfy office chair, you know, working on those engines. Um, I can stand for four hours. It's not that big a deal, you know? Right. So, but I wanted to sit for the podcast. Um, I, I wanted to allow more air, you know? Um, I mean, not that I, I sound like, I think I know what I'm doing and I don't know that we know what we're doing here, but it's it's different and i like it i like both i like that fast pacedness of the morning show because man fucking mornings fly i love when tessa looks over at me and says oh my god it's nine o'clock that's a good thing you know like we just did three hours that means you're having a good time and it's going by quick you know and it'll happen with you and i when we start talking i mean we were supposed to do a pirates and this is why you know we run this thing and it's ours we were supposed to do a Pirates of the Quarter uh, commercial about 15 minutes ago. Yeah. And we, we've been talking for 34 minutes. Yeah, that's how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just like, okay, cool, man. Like, I, you know, I, there's no podcast wizard that's going to hotline us and say, hey, dude, wrap it up. <laughs> which, is, which is great. But I, and, and, but I think it's helpful from my standpoint. And, and again, I'm, I'm getting 20 second shots, 30 second shots. So I've yeah. always been good at honing using word economy and trying to shove interesting things into those 20 seconds. So that, you know, I continually sharpen that ax when we first, I bet you if we went back and listened or, 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 or podcast checked like our first episode or second episode, uh-huh. I, bet we're, I bet we're flying. I bet we're flying through it. 
Probably. You know what I mean? Like to, 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 to just peel back and just let there be air. And, and if you fuck up, who cares? And if the but story dies. Think, but I do think, and I don't listen to a lot of podcasts. I've got to be honest with you. I haven't listened to a whole lot. But when I hear people, I think one of the things that people like about podcasts is because it's different mm-hmm. and it's, it's supposed to sound different. It's so fast on the morning show that I, I definitely wanted this to sound a lot different but I still can't stand listening to a podcast that's going nowhere. And it's, you know, I, I think that little bit of radio training that we have, I think it helps in this forum. Um, I, I'm not saying that this podcast is great, but I think it kind of goes from thought to thought pretty well. And I think we know about transitioning. Right. I think we kind of know when something is dead to move on to the next thing, which we're probably getting pretty close, but get way past. But, <laughs> But I'm sure you've heard podcasts before. And they're brutal. Even, I mean, again, I'm not saying that we're better because we come from the world of radio, but we're better because we come from the world of radio. I'm sorry. And I can tell you people that are on the news, I can tell you people that were on radio before they were on TV Mm -hmm. because they know how to talk. That means, oh, shit. The teleprompter's down, and I'm Ron Burgundy. You know, <laughs> San Diego, go fuck yourself. Like, they don't know what to say. Right. But the people, I, I know who's done radio before on TV, and it's, it's when something's happening when they're doing live, when it's a catastrophe, when it's, they're at a polling place, and they're stalling, and they're waiting for the numbers to come in, and they're just leaving that person die at that party. Yep. And they don't know what to say. They don't know how to fill time because they're so used to reading the news. Um, when you're on the radio, you learn, you have to learn how to talk a little bit. I know when we were doing mornings together, it, it, it was, um, it was hard at first because you had been doing it. So you're like, you know, you're razor sharp and you it's just quick, 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 quick. And I just felt like I was this guy coming out of the slow motion. You know how when you, you watch a video <laughs> and it's in slow motion, all of a sudden it hits to real time or speeds up. I felt like I was coming out of slow motion. And as soon as I hit that studio, it was like, holy shit, everything's on fire. I better get my shit together because you have to be on a razor's edge because I found that I was listening so hard and you have to, that I was able to find ways to shoehorn quick little things in between sentences. And I got to the point where I knew boxer. You're like a boxer where you're trying to like jab, jab, peekaboo, peekaboo, jab, jab. And, and it doesn't always work, but it's like, I could tell when you or Spinato would take a breath, that was my second to get in there and say something like you got to the point where I knew your breathing patterns. Like I'm such a freak about it. So yeah, it's, uh, and, and, and every time we get to a point, and this is just a little pro tip uh, for the listeners who want to get behind the curtain with radio, is every time I'm telling a story and I, and I end with, uh, who gives a shit? I pretty much got nothing left. <laughs> I've, run, I've run out of steam, man. My sales are empty. I'm done. And I, I have no way of getting out of it. It's like a Saturday Night Live skit. I just kind of go, ah, whatever, I'm out. Uh, Rod, before we do the Pirates of the Quarter spot, I wanted to say uh, hello to Stevie G and his family and friends. He took a pub crawl uh, back, uh, shit, I think it was early December, from okay. Houston, loves the podcast, 
um, uh, listens all the time. So Stevie G and the family and the friends showed up. And we had nice. a blast. Uh, the pub crawl was a great night. We had a, we had a great time. So uh, Stevie G, thanks for listening. And of course, thanks for taking the pirate tour. Uh, coming up, Rod, I you ever, and I don't know how to tease this. And we just got done talking about how we're professionals. Um, I almost killed my family while we were on vacation, Rod. And I'm not joking. You almost That's killed your family. Not on purpose. That's how we get people to stick around. Yeah. After the break. Uh, after the break, are we going to do our top fives? Oh, shit. Yeah. See, I suck at this. Oh, who gives okay. a shit? Just do the well, stupid that, spot. That's to even stick around even longer. So yeah, yeah, that's after our top fives. I almost killed my family. Okay. So we'll get into this. We got our top five favorite songs that are turning 30. So that means these songs came out in the year 1992. Right. It doesn't matter when the album came out. It's when the song was released as a single. So we'll celebrate songs turning 30 this year. And here we go. Our one and only sponsor Get of them. this Get podcast. Them. It is Pirates of the Quarter. And uh, the last time I was in New Orleans, it was for Jason's 50th. And I can tell you, man, the city looks great. It was good. I had not been back in a long time, and everybody knows how much I love it there. I got a place there in the quarter. So it's not when it's it's not when when you go it's not if it's when you go to new orleans uh you've got to take the pirate tour okay pirates of the quarter.com is the website all the social media is at pirates of the quarter okay no other walking tour like it in new orleans all kinds of awards and you're going to hear stories of real pirates and their influence on what happened in new orleans New Orleans, I think everyone kind of knows there's a rich history there, and there's so many different facets to their history. But the pirate history history will absolutely blow your mind, okay? The tour, it's fun. You're going to learn shit. You're going to tell your friends about it because you're going to say, wow, where we were standing, can you do you know that this happened right here? So, you know, you're outside, you're socially distanced. That's None of that's a problem, okay? So book your tour now. Piratesofthequarter.com is the website. A rated five-star tour. A ton of fun. Bring your drink. Hear about the Pirates of the French Quarter. You're walking around, you're drinking, you're still partying. Uh, more info on the links wherever you get this podcast. And, of course, piratesofthequarter.com. 1992. It's a long Jason, time ago, dude. Jason Ginty and I come together that year. Yeah, Is that so the year that we come together? Um. Or was 90, it the semester before? I think it was 91, maybe, because 92, I think we were kind of in the building at the Fox, weren't we? 92. Some, some of these songs seemed to, to work out where I was in the building part-time. We were doing shit there because you were part-time the same time I was. So 92 feels like we were in the building. And when we get into these songs, you're going to go, oh, yeah, yeah. I remember that song and being played. 92, we're still doing the Metal Asylum, and we're still doing our metal show. So... Because because we've got and, and I know it for a fact, just because you and I opened up the Stone Temple Pilot album. We had not heard of this band before. That album comes out in 1992. Core is celebrating its 30th year. Right. So all of those songs, Sex Type Thing was the first single that they were pushing. And we played that on our metal show. So I know 100 percent. Now, if we did it the semester before, maybe, but. I think we only did two semesters of the metal asylum together. Right. Right. Cause then you'd left and I tried to do it one more year on my own, I think. And that was it. Um, 
So it's it's in the infancy of Jason and I working together, being thrown together and doing a radio show together. So some of this stuff that we're going to be talking about, um, we actually uh, played on our college or some of the stuff that at least I'll be talking about. We played on our college radio show. Um, 1992, Bill Clinton gets elected to office. Um, the Bills lose the Super Bowl. <laughs> the Again. Bills lose. The Bills lose the second Super Bowl. Go out, go back in it next year and lose, and then lose again. They lost four in a row. It was the second one that we lost. This was to to Washington, and it wasn't as heartbreaking. I mean, we were only really in that first one the year before. The Giants. Everybody knows, you know, the wide, wide, wide right, and you know, we weren't in this Washington game really. No, we we kind of got, got we kind of got our asses beat all those other Super Bowls. Uh, the big movies are The Bodyguard, Last of the Mohicans with Daniel Day Lewis, A Few Good Men, You Can't Handle the Truth. Good movie. Um, and I wrote down Bad Lieutenant. Oh, and uh, Bad Jesus Lieutenant um, is going to when I get to my final thoughts, I'm going to bring up uh, who introduced me to the movie Bad Lieutenant. But that came out that year, and that is just a pure evil Harvey Keitel movie. Uh, that, but Reservoir Dogs. It was our introduction to uh, Quentin Tarantino, who for for us, I mean, is is he he's Generation X's Martin Scorsese, right? Oh yeah, I would say so. Totally, he's, man. But yeah. he's Gen X, though. I mean, these are our movies. You know, Reservoir yeah, yeah. Dogs started it. <laughs> And then boom, that's a Gen X thing. He's our guy. Um, and he's he's still running around saying that he's only going to make one one more movie. So and, and Ron, uh, I brought I've brought this up before. We we've talked, we've had this discussion, but I want to kind of throw it out there again because it's still a great topic that I don't know how you even get into it. But like, you know, the whole grunge thing, 91, 92, 93, 94, that was your peak grunge. But Gen Xers were so lucky in the 90s, man. We were so fucking lucky to be born we were because you got all that great grunge music, alternative, the, the whole thing. And then you got guys like Tarantino just making fucking bomb movies every time one came out. You had Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, The Kill Bills. I mean, it was just smash, smash, smash. Kevin Smith was doing Clerks and, you know, to a lesser degree, still killing it with mall rats and all that stuff. So yep. we were so damn lucky in the 90s. We had so much great shit. I'm sure everybody says that about their decade, but um, I really feel like we just we just had that. There's something magical about it, you know, with all that stuff going on. So you want to do your top five first? Uh, sure, I this will. Your, these are damn ideas. Huh? You said that I was going to be – you didn't think that our lists were going to sound the, look the same. I, I, you know what? It's always great to hear because then I'm like, oh, yeah, shit, I forgot about that song. Oh, yeah, damn, forgot about that song. So, yeah, yeah, go ahead because there's some really wild ones on my list, man. Okay. I was I was surprised. Uh, this was, uh, as all lists, this was very, very hard for me. Um, I, I went – I went super obvious. I can't, I can't shit on songs because I'm sick of hearing them. Uh, I, we struggle with this all the time, you know, right. Is stairway to heaven, the best Led Zeppelin song, you know, that type, that same discussion comes up all the time. Um, you know, Ozzy Osbourne, do you shit on crazy train because you've heard it a million times or is it the best Ozzy Osbourne song? You know, I still love it. <laughs> I, I, I still absolutely struggle with this. So 
Uh, here's what I've got for you. One, two, three, four, five. Damn. It can only be five. There's no alternates. Shut up. You're the one that put 10 on your movie list one time. Yeah, I know. It's pretty cool. It's our podcast. Do what you want, right? <laughs> okay. Except for now. And at number five. In at number five was the second single and track number two from Nirvana's Nevermind, of course, Smells Like Teen Spirit, and the album came out in 91. Second single time. How are they going to follow up this massive, massive song that changed the world? Well, Come As You Are was perfect. And uh, I don't get sick of hearing that song. I think, you know, my audience that listens to the podcast, that listens to the buzz here in Houston, they may say different, like, okay, I've kind of had enough of that. I, I don't get sick of Nirvana Come As You Are. And there were three Nirvana singles released in the year that we're talking about, 1992, uh, Come As You Are, Lithium, and In Bloom. So four singles off of that, four singles off of that album. But that album, again, it's kind of like Appetite, where you know every song on the album like a single, right. like Van Halen one, you know every single song. You you almost forget that they weren't all singles. I I look at Nirvana's Nevermind like that, and I forget there was only four singles on there. And they they did such a great job when they with a the record label the way they released it because Smells Like Teen Spirit was so visceral and just Ugh. And then yeah. Come As You Are had that really wet sounding, that, that guitar still sounds amazing. That sound, just in completely different, shifted gears. It was so great, they, the way they did it. Yeah, that's a good pick. I like that song. I'm All not right, necessarily sick five. of it. Uh, okay. In at number four, this is the only one where I kind of go off, off the tracks just a little bit. Not, I mean, listen, Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You was the best song released that year. Not on my list. No, I was like, holy shit. So I'm, not, I'm not going out there, but I, I, I gave you a tip of the cap. Bodyguard came out. Yeah. Whitney Houston, the fucking goat. Are you kidding me? I will always love you. Yeah. Not yeah. on my list. But my number four is Jump Around by House of Pain. Still great. Still great. You can't play that without... You jump the second you hear that song. Dude, I want to fucking walk around with House of Pain, Jump Around energy every day. I want that energy every single day. Every now and then, Radio Wizard slides that in on a Friday. And even in the studio, and I hope like where radio is magic, I hope that people are driving in the morning and like, ah, fuck, you know, it's early. And that song comes on. Because we crank it up and we're dancing. We're dancing. I'm not worried about what the next break is because I have to talk after every song. I don't care what I'm talking about. This is being cranked up. House of Pain is, it's an energy. It's not a song, it's an energy. Yep. And, uh, and, and I, I think it's one of the all-time all time greats. It's my number four uh, for 1992. And it, it still number- sounds great. Like it, there's no, like that's time. It just, it, it sounded great then. It still sounds fresh today. It's, and you could put that on in, in a club today and people are like, what the fuck, this is great. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. I agree with you on that. It, it's it's a timeless, it's a timeless piece of perfection. You know, it's it's three minutes and forty seconds of perfection. You know, yeah, it's great. And 
it took me a minute and you know everlast came out of that whole situation with house of pain and everlast had a great career and i remember talking to him about it and i just you know dude did you know did you know that when you you know i ask that question all the time i get caught in the trap all the time with the same fucking question with artists but when you recorded that one did you know and he's like yeah we knew we knew oh, that wow. was going to be we knew that was going to be big you know this yeah just Again, I don't know that you know how big it's going to be, but when you know that you're working on something special at the time, and he said, yeah, they knew that that was special. Wow. Uh, that's my number four. My number three <laughs> is, and I had to take myself back. I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. I Fuck these fives. Uh, the second single off of Pearl Jam's 10 album, Alive was released in 91, Even Flow was the follow-up. And we're living in 1992 right now. That video, the live video where he jumps into the crowd, it got me so excited. I couldn't wait for that video to come on MTV. And that's another, talking about like how magical MTV was back in the day and how that could elevate your love of a song. Um, seeing them live and seeing Eddie's eyes and, and I, a live had live stuff in it too, but I, I really feel like even flow was uh, it, it really showed like what kind of powerhouse band this was going to be. And the energy that Eddie Vedder brings, even to this day, you know, the passion he sung all these songs a billion times and he still brings that same energy yeah. today. I mean, it's like, that's just unbelievable when you're performing, you're not phoning it in. He never looks like he's phoning it in, you know? Yep. Uh, in at number two, Oof. STP Plush. It's a fucking perfect song. There's only a couple of them. There's only a couple of perfect songs, okay? Uh, you know, Pete Gabriel's Salisbury Hill. It's a perfect song. Plush yeah. is a perfect song. It's perfection. You can't, there's not one thing. It doesn't need to be longer. It doesn't need to be shorter. It's perfect. Um, the tempo everything about it you know it's not a banger <laughs> it's not a, it's not a banger um you're not rocking it's just something about it is perfect to me it was i struggled with that because i wanted to I, it was my number two nice. my number one my top song of 1992 killing in the name of rage against the machine Ooh, come on that i mean 92 ev yeah everything oh, that i everything that i said Please tell me it is 92. Uh, it's 92. Check my math here. Yeah, yeah I, I, guess I guess it's 92. Boy, if you got it wrong, man, I'm just fucking <laughs> hang on. <laughs> hang the fuck on because killing in the name. Released November 2nd, 1992. Okay, you're good. You're good. Boom. Uh, you're good. Best song of the year. Best oh, yeah. song of the year. You had me questioning myself there for a second, but I um, check the math. That's all. No big deal. Every, all good. Everything that I said about jump around, uh, take that and then times it by 10, the fucking energy. Uh, I, I'd never heard anything like it. That band was such a game changer. Where were you? When did you hear that for the first time? What, how did you process it? Because I was like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. This is the angriest shit I've ever heard in my life. Where do I get more of it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a drug. Can, can I have another? Uh, it, you know, it, it wasn't enough. I needed 
I needed more of that. And I'm not a mopey, angry guy, you know, I'm a pretty happy go lucky dude, but boy, that just spoke to me. And I was just, they were selling angst and I was buying it. I was buying every second of it. it was, so the power the just the, the, how do you get that power? Cause so many bands have this great sound live where it's just like, Holy shit, that band's so great live. But then in the studio, it just sounds, it never gets that full, like, like just, it doesn't work, but rage against the machine. It just crushes your fight. Yeah. That chord. Okay. That chord. The only time I've ever been that excited I'll bring you around is, you know, it, you really got me yeah, by, yeah. The, but it's obviously the, the Van Halen version, the first single off of their first album. I, I don't think that that guitar sound has ever been replicated. I have always said that Tom Morello is the Eddie Van Halen of our generation. I've told him that before. Uh, I'm sure I'm not the first person to tell him that, but those two distinctive guitar sounds. And we've talked about, how Slash sounds like Slash, and there's certain guitar players that you know as soon as they hit their first note, Mick Mars. Yeah. Uh, as soon as they hit that first note, you know it's them. But I don't think anybody had a signature sound like Tom Morello and Eddie Van Halen. And Killing in the Name of is one of those moments right out of the gate. What the fuck is this going to be? And I remember, like, we were on the Fox in Buffalo, and this is where it's all starting to come around now, is I think they were playing it, but, you know, you could only play it at night because it was so heavy. Yeah, and- it was angry. And at the time period, because you had you had Killing in the Name, and that was in 92. And of course, it, it was released in 92. So it takes a while to get traction. And, it, you know, so it's being played through 92 and 93 a lot. Yeah. And then Tools Sober came out in May of 93. I just remember those two songs just kind of owning the nighttime. Every time you played it, the phones lit up. Uh, when people used to call radio stations all the time at night. Yeah. I remember that, like, those were relegated to after 7 p.m. And I was a night guy on the edge in Buffalo. So I got to play those songs and those heavier songs. So I just remember even then in 94, 95, that shit was still hot, still in it, killing in the name of, I hear it today and I'm still like, Jesus, this is unbelievable. It's just such powerful. It hasn't lost its power. No. Um, there's just a couple, I mean, it's, you know, I, I'm, I'm using this term energy over and over again, but it's just, you know, I make a joke all the time. Every now and then I'll just bust out on the air and, and I'll just, I, for whatever reason, I'll put on uh, Ricky Martin, Live in La Vida Loca. And yeah. that song hits, ba, 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 da, ba, ba. it takes it's you perfect. right back. And it, it's just, it's an energy. I've been in a room before where that song hit and it just fucking leveled the room. Like yep. the, the room changed. Um, Rage Against the Machine, it hits the room changes it's just it immediately they flip the room yeah um you know and it's not just because it's heavy that's why i brought up ricky martin it's just it just changes same thing with house of pain it changes the room immediately uh it's just let's get a fucking drink and let's sing and jump around <laughs> but like we've talked about this with guitar solos you sure there's just a billion heavier songs but Rage Against the Machine with this song and, and a lot of their other ones too. Um, they had that perfect combination of heavy and good. There's a lot of heavy songs that suck, but they're just heavy yeah. to be heavy. This has that perfect magic to it where it's yeah. heavy, but it works. It's like we talk about guitar solos and everybody gave Wolfgang Van Halen a bunch of shit for that song, The Distance, where his guitar solo is just that one note played really fast over and over again throughout the solo. And online, people just 
beat the shit up. Hey man, your dad would be pissed if you heard your shitty solo. And, and he's like, Hey, that solo fit the song. So it's all about fitting everything. Right. And, and, and when you're, you know, you, you, um, when you talk to Everlast about jump around in the house of pain song and you said, Hey, did you know, you know, it's that magic. It's that studio magic. It's that band magic. It's that writing of it. The, the, the lightning is just flying. The songs like that get written in five minutes. I think it was killing in the name. I don't remember. I told this story on a, on a previous podcast where Tom Morello was giving guitar lessons. It was, it was killing in the name because that was the first song that everybody heard from them. And yeah. Tom Morello was giving guitar lessons to some kid and he's showing him like the drop D. And again, I suck. I don't know what the fuck a guitar does. But I think it was drop D, drop E, whatever the hell it was. He was showing the kid because it was the hot sound at the time, you know? Yeah. And he was showing the kid that. And then he went round, 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 round. And he said, hold on, kid, wait a minute. And he had a recorder with him because you always have a recorder with you. And he recorded it into the recorder. Next day, goes to the band practice and goes, hey, guys, I think I got something here. And they just fucking roast through the song pretty quick. And they wrote the whole thing. But it's like that. He was giving a kid a guitar lesson. And that came out of it that's unbelievable i love that great year great year of music man a great year of music i stayed true to the alternative format um again you talked about it already there was def leppard was on the radio huge huge year for def leppard def leppard was on the radio megadeth is on the radio huge nirvana is on the radio uh mr big is huge that year to be with you. Yeah, uh, yeah. Our Buffalo Boy to be with you was a number one song in '92. Um, Billy Sheehan a, on bass. Then there was a lot of the uh, 10,000 Maniacs were huge in '92. You know what I mean? Our REM, you too. Those bands are on the air. Yep. And radio didn't know what to do. They were just trying to fit it all together before stations started saying, let's make the switch to full on alternative. This is still a scrambled year. Yeah. Uh, when, when we covered 96, it was okay. They had already drawn their lines in the sand for a couple of years. Um, there were a couple of radio stations that were just playing alternative stuff. K-Rock out in California, out in Los Angeles, uh, just off the top of my head for sure. Um, but in Buffalo and in Houston, the buzz wasn't on yet. Um, buzz went before we flipped Buffalo. So the station is a little bit older here, but it was just a scrambled time and program directors didn't know what to do with all this shit. They were just trying to play everything. <laughs> and it was weird because the and guys who loved the guys who loved the, the Van Halen's Judas priests and the Megadeths didn't really like a lot of the alternative that, cause it was a different sound. Everything was different. The dudes weren't singing high pitched voices. Eddie Vedder had a deep register. Chris Cornell sang high, but he still sang like a dude. You know, I mean, all these guys, Kurt Cobain say everyone started singing lower and it was like, Whoa, when did everybody's balls drop? What happened? And it just sounded weird on the radio stations. You know what I mean? Like you got all these guys, Oh, you know, doing the metal scream. And then you got these guys and they're not shredding and they're not playing all these solos. And it, yeah. I remember you making a, a comment way back in the day going, Hey, what the hell happened to all the guitar solos? <laughs> like just out of the blue, we're standing there shooting the shit in yeah. Buffalo talking and you go, Hey, what happened to all the guitar solos? I go, oh, wow, that's it became, weird. It became not necessary. We don't need the flash. We need to get this out. And it just, what's good for the song. What's good for the yeah. song. You know, we all don't right. need that horse shit. I'm excited to hear your top five, bro. It's weird. I'm telling you right now, it's fucking weird. Cause These I think your favorites. 
Yeah, because I your favorite five songs from that year. I went through the list and I was like, and I didn't realize uh, "Killing in the Name" came out because I would change my list now, but I can't do that. So those are the damn rules. I gotta live by them. Okay. But the more I went through the list, I'm like, oh, the Black Crows, and just like we talked about, you know, I mean, Allison Chains, you know, Rooster, I believe was '92, and I love that fucking song. Still powerful. So we got dirt. We got the second Alice in Chains album when we were together and we were doing the metal show. And I remember opening it up and like, okay, let's let's go see what they're doing on their second album, you know? And that's where you get just amazing music. I mean, I love Facelift. I do love that first album, but I, I think people tend to like Dirt more. I like love Facelift. I like Facelift more. Uh, but Dirt's a phenomenal album. Love Dirt, but you know, you know, I kind of played it a lot. So, but I still love, like when I hear Wood, I still feel the power of that song. Wood is such a great fucking song. Anyway, who gives a shit? See, there you go. All right, my top five. And this one's gonna this one's gonna be like, wait, what? Why? Uh, okay. Who cares why? It's my favorite top five from 1992. Ugly Kid Joe. I hate everything about you. Remember that song? It was so different. And do so fucking weird. And I loved it. I still like it. I still um, like that song. I still it was in uh it was it, it it was released, didn't do a whole lot, and I think it ended up in like Wayne's World or something. Yeah, I hate that song. Do you? Um, I do. Uh they also did a cover that year of Cats in the Cradle. You remember oh, that? Yeah, not we, bad. We played like that it. as a single too. Um, yeah, I think that band got lumped in for some reason. They should have moved on, and they didn't. They did not make the cut. I think your guys, I'll stick up for them. I, I never really liked him. Win was his name. Win something no, no, like that. No. Uh, so I, they're from they're from the area. They got a studio. They used to have a studio up on the North Shore here in New Orleans. They they should have continued on in the alternative world. And you remember what it was like. It was very snobby. It was very oh we don't do that sort of thing anymore. Right. That band could have passed through. Kind of like how Faith No More passed through. Um, yep. Faith No More, Faith No More passed through. You know, Chili Peppers were around. You know, it's not like you know, it, it's not like Nirvana came out and then everything that came after Nirvana we played. There was stuff that was still there that carried over. Jane's Addiction was around. I, I felt like that that band could have, and maybe should have. Uh, Passed the cut, and they got lumped in with the hair bands for some reason. They got they they call them a, a heavy metal band uh, on the Wikipedia. Uh, Whitfield Crane was the singer. That's who you're Whit thinking of. Okay, Whitfield. Okay, and then uh, Dave Fortman. He's like a producer here on the North Shore. He's got a studio here. At least he did. He's, he's done a lot of work with a lot of different bands and from the area. So um, anyway, Ugly Kid Joe. I hate everything about you. I just thought it was so different sounding, and it did have it you right. It had that Faith No More sort of feel to it. You know, it really did. They didn't. They didn't get accepted into the alternative community at all. Yeah. They got left for dead, and they shouldn't have. They shouldn't have. I mean, it was real easy to leave Motley Crue in in this bucket, right? There were a couple of bands that were like, ah, "What do you do with this band?" And then, unfortunately, we weren't making the decisions back then. No. And they looked at that band and they said, "No, they they don't they don't come along for this ride. They're not allowed to go with us on our cool bus." You know? What yeah. I mean? Right. Um, another band that was just had a great year, 92, 93, was a band at number four called Soul Asylum. They had a song called Somebody to Shove off of yeah. Grave Dancers Union. Fuck, dude, I haven't heard that song in years. And like, I don't know, sometime over the summer, I, I just stumble on it. I'm like, oh, yeah, I kind of remember that being a good song. 
And I went, oh shit, this is a good song. And I now I listen to it all the time. Somebody to shove is such a great, great soul asylum song. And I don't know why. It was but, the first uh, single off of that album. They didn't really hit big. And that song did get MTV airplay. Yep. But everybody remembers Runaway Train. And that was, that was where boom. And they did the same thing that the hair bands did. Okay. Yep. They came out with the rocker. This let me tell you, this is Skid Row. All right. Skid Row. Uh, comes out with the rock song and then they hit you with the ballad I'll remember you. Bands then everybody did that. Even if it was warrant, they had the the rock song and then they went right for the dumb sappy ballad. Yep. So your boys did the exact same thing. Somebody to shove was the rocker and that's what they opened with and then they came out with Runaway Train and that's where things took off for them. Yeah. Uh, Dave Pierner lived in New Orleans for a long time. Very cool guy. I talked to him years ago. I actually interviewed him and um, we, we talked for a while and yeah, he, he would go to, he would show up at his kid's school and they'd be like, Hey, we need someone to play some songs. He's like, okay, I'll play. And I remember I have friends whose kids went to his kid's school and they walk in and there's like 30 moms and dads standing around and there's Dave Pierner playing runaway train. I'm like, holy shit, how cool is that, you know? Um, but he he was a really cool guy, and he's since moved out of here. He had a studio here, uh, studio here for a while. Um, and he told, I think I told this on a previous uh, podcast, but he told me this great story about um, Dave Grohl. Dave Perner asked Dave Grohl to join Soul Asylum after Nirvana was over. Oh, Wow. Yeah, this is wild, dude. And um, because Dave Grohl was kind of, you know, he was known, he was a great drummer and, and their drummer, Soul Asylum's drummer had left or whatever happened. And so Dave Perner's like, well, shit, man, maybe I'll call. And, and they were friends. He's like, let me call Dave Grohl and see if he wants to come do some Soul Asylum shit. And, and Dave Grohl's getting all kinds of offers. He got uh, offered to be in the Heartbreakers from Tom Petty. He turned that down. So then a couple of weeks later, uh, Dave Grohl was sending out those cassettes of the first Foo Fighters album uh, to all his friends. And Dave Perner got one of the cassettes and, and he immediately called up Dave Grohl and goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you definitely don't want to be my drummer. <laughs> you should really go do this because this oh, is fucking great. I'm like, he's sitting there telling me this story. I'm just like, that's like me and you talking about like, yeah, should I get the 88? fucking dodge or the 89 dodge you know what i mean like these guys are talking about massive massive rock and roll hall of fame type shit you know my immediate follow-up question is and i know the answer is no because not everybody hoards shit like me dave periner do you still have the cassette right. that that Grohl sent you i'm sure the answer is no because you don't know that you're holding the Foo Fighters in your hand. It says maybe the Foo Fighters on it or Dave Grohl's whatever. No, it said Foo but Fighters. It turns into the Foo Fighters, the biggest band right now. Do you still have that demo cassette? They got to be floating around out there. Can you imagine what those are? To a, to a bunch of people. He just dubbed them off. You know what I mean? Yeah. Dual cassette deck. Can you imagine what those must be worth? Yeah, because they're not final mixes either. No, they're raw and they're probably <laughs> fucking awesome to have they're something like that. They're, they're out there. People got them. And you know that anyone who is uh, a Dave Grohl buddy is like, fuck, I'm keeping, you know, once they figured out what's going on, I'm, like, I'm going to keep this, throw it in a drawer or some shit. Anyway. Great, uh, great song. Soul Asylum. I, um, I try to will that to win every now and then it comes up when we do Throwback Thursday. That'll go in there as one of the choices. It, 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 maybe in six years, it's won one time. Um, 
when people hear it, they love it though. When they it's hear a it, it's great. It's a great, great video. Song. Great song. Great song. Great song. Uh, number three, and this one you're gonna be like, what the fuck? Um, Whitney Houston. Whitney Houston. Yes, it was definitely Whitney Houston. This song was not supposed to be on their album. It was like written at the end. The song was eight fucking minutes long. It was Dream Theater's Pull Me Under from 1992. I'm going on the rock side right now. All the prog right. rock that came out. It was like they were rush light, basically. So the song comes out. It's eight minutes long. And it becomes a huge hit for this band. So I became a huge fan of the band. And then I went and saw them live. And I was like, fuck. It's like two hours of just, I'm like, okay, I don't really like this band anymore. Yeah, they're all like Berkeley, yeah, they're musicians. Brilliant, brilliant musicians. Eked out a great career with a prog rock community around the world. I still love that song because there's so many changes in it. It's very cool. And I don't know why I still like the song. It just hit from the day I first heard it in 92. I can tell you a guy that's still kicking around, and I'm sure all those guys are still playing, but Mike Portnoy, uh, the drummer, the drummer uh, back then, yeah. Yeah, so he's in uh, that band, The Winery Dogs, which I think we've talked about. And again, here's Billy Sheehan's second mention today on the show. Weird. Billy Sheehan was a part of a number one song in 1992 uh, with Mr. Big and To Be With You. But there's a band right now, and they're The Winery Dogs. And he's the drummer, Billy's the bass, uh, Billy's the bass player. Um, and just, they're awesome. I mean, they are awesome. Go look up their stuff. They're fucking phenomenal. Number two. Number okay. two. This song, I still love. It's like one of those songs that, you know how you get those songs? And you're like, they just stick with you. Every time you hear it, you're like, okay, I'll crank that one up. Screaming Trees, Nearly Lost You. Dude, right here. I know you can't see my list. Boom, Screaming Trees. I, I love the whole album. Yeah. I love that entire album. It, I love that song. It's, you know, it was, it got its real kick in the ass after being on the single soundtrack, you know, yep. that helped a lot. And it was featured predominantly in the movie too. Yeah. And such a great song, just huge, just a huge freaking song. And then number one, I guaranteed this, you would never guess in a thousand years, dude. I mm, promise you, you wouldn't guess. I'm looking at what I. <sighs> no, no, you're wrong. It's not on there. Billy no. Ray Cyrus, achy breaky heart. That was uh, a, a hard pass for me. And that was terrible terrible shit if you if so how many god if it's the fucking gin blossoms i quit Ugh, i'd quit too because that's terrible shit okay they were so huge in the in the mid 90s um faith no more midlife crisis that's your number one that's my number one dude i fucking love i love that album what? i love this album this now album I to, now i have to show you this jeez can what you, a shit show you, oh wow there it is highlighted it's highlighted and it just did not make the cut it's highlighted Angel Dust is a, a great album. Everything on it is great. Everything on it is great. It's so freaking great. Midlife Crisis is such a great song. Again, like we talked about a minute ago, and I never even thought about this, but Ugly Kid Joe had an interesting sound. Um, yeah. Faith No More, that album. And I don't remember this getting a shit ton of airplay either because it was so weird, I think. <sighs> you know, anyone, everyone knows Epic, you know? And that's the only song that ever gets airplay anymore. I don't remember Midlife Crisis getting a ton, but it's such a great, great song. And it's so clean. Like the production on this album is so clean. I love Faith No More. I mean, I, I love them. I, that's a band that I can honestly tell you I saw with 25 people in a club in East Aurora, New York, uh, the Sky Room. 
there's not 25 people there. Right. Because I heard that first single and I, uh, um, from out of nowhere. And I, I just, I, my mind was blown. There's keyboards in it. Da, da, da. It was before we heard Epic and before we heard um, Somewhere in Between, right. all of that. Um, I love Faith No More. I love that you have them on your list. I'm mad that I don't have them on my list. I'm super happy with my top five. I, you saw that Faith No More was highlighted. Yeah, yeah, it's it's it's, it's highlighted. Um, Nearly lost you is written. I promise you there it says Sweet Oblivion right there. I did write down Black Crow's Remedy because still, that was that was the follow up to Shake Your Money Maker, which was so bluesy. Yeah, and it's not that Remedy wasn't, but Remedy was a rocker man, and you, you, Chris had grown out his hair, and he was just in the video, and it was just. I'm like, oh my God, the fucking Black Crows are so great. They're still so great. This is an awesome follow-up to a huge, huge debut CD. So Love that song. So Remedy was there. You know, any one of those Nirvana singles, Lithium and In Bloom, they've, to me, they hold up. To me, they absolutely hold up. There was, you know, and then Pearl Jam released more, but even Flo is just a fucking a monster. And in, in the song that I wanted to work, the song I wanted to have on this list, I tried so hard, but I couldn't do it. I knew you would fucking call me out on it, so I couldn't even sneak it in there. I knew I'd eat shit if I snuck it in there. It was released January 25th, 1993, sex type thing from Stone Temple Pilots. I wanted that on my list so bad. I tried. I looked it up at 10 different sources to make sure they all <laughs> lined up. I wanted sex type thing on my list so fucking bad. Released in 1993. Well, hang on a second. Wait, you have plush. All right, hold have, on. We I have fucked plush up. on my list. We might have fucked. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. When does STP Core come out? 91. STP Core. Oh, Sex geez. type thing comes out in 91. I got it. I got I I no 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 no, no, no. I, I I core comes out in 1993. Come on. No, in 92, right there. September 29th, 1992. So was Plush released before fucking Sex Type? I thought Sex Type was the first single. Sex Type was the first single. Plush. Oh, uh-oh. Daddy's got a problem. See, this is why this is why I'm dropping tens every day, bro. You're dropping okay. fours. You're dropping fours now. According to the Wikipedia page, and I know, not always right, but um, let's see. Plush from Stone Temple Pilots released May 12, 1993. Fuck! It was recorded in 1992, so you might want to put... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Screaming trees in that place at number two. Sorry, buddy. Yeah, because I wanted I wanted sex type thing in there so bad. Damn. I really because I still that song just carves your skull when you hear it. It's so good. I would I would move everything up. The I would go then with my highlighted. I would move my faith no more up. There you go. Then damn it. So faith okay. more. Okay. I'm just I'm not trying to tell you you're wrong, but it because we released that song on our radio show. We didn't wait for the official release. We played it anyways. We, we Maybe played that's it. what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay. Hey, dude, I get it, man. You know? Damn it. All right. Well, then I got Faith No More, Midlife Crisis uh, in on my list. I'm going to put that in at five and slide everything else up. So nothing good. moves. Nothing moves. Killing in the name of no, at no, my no, number no, 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 no. one. No, absolutely uh, not. Damn, uh, see? That's great year of music. Yeah, and now I'm going to go sit around listening to a bunch of shit from 92 the next couple of days, which is why I love the exercise every week. I love the top five. What? Go ahead. Here we go. I got to put I got to put sex type thing in my top five. 
Yeah, but you can't. It's from January 25th of 93. No, the yeah. album comes out. The release date of Core is September 29th, 1992. Okay, the album comes out. The single is out when the album comes out. Sex Type Thing is a song from 1992. It has to be. Um, dude, I'm looking at it. Oh, okay. According, yeah, see, I'm checking my sources. Because if it is, I'm, I'm changing. I'm dumping some shit off of mine. Again, using the same source I used, Wikipedia, because the top thing that comes up, released January 25th, 1993. All right. So let me try another source. So Wait I don't a minute. But look up, first look up when the album's out. STP Core. It came out in 92. It in the same date. I know it came out in 92. I'm 100% sure. And I know that we went early. That's, that's the song that we went with, but I'm- Yeah, because yeah, it was great. Is that just the song that we went with? I think it was. I think we had the we album. Went, we like that the most. You, you came in and you said, holy fuck, I don't know what a Stone Temple Pilot is, but this is great. This is an amazing song. And I was like, right. holy shit, we got to play it right away. Um, album core, 1992. Yeah, I, Dude, I don't know. We're, he we're hemming it on, and, and who gives a shit? <clears throat> if it's really released in 92, then I, I'm putting it on my list, and I'm going to take something out. But I'll yeah. get rid of the fucking ugly kid, Joe. <laughs> yeah, scrap that shit, dude. Why is that on your list? What's the matter with you? I was trying um, to like, throw some shit in there. Either way, who gives a shit? See? You know what comes up? You know what comes up in my mix? When I, when I, if I got people over and I got a little playlist going on, you know, when I work in there from 1992, the drum beat has been used in a million things, but I'm telling you, Sophie B. Hawkins, damn, damn I wish damn. I was your lover. Great that song. fucking song is so great. Yeah, that song yeah. is so great. And you know what? Another song that might even be better. And I know this is a 92 song. It's Tori Amos winter. Mm -hmm. You want to talk about one of the most beautiful songs ever written ever and i don't know that we, we didn't we didn't get into that on the radio i think we played cornflake girl we played a couple of tori amos songs i don't think we ever went winter because it's such a ballad it's such a slow song but it is one of the prettiest songs ever it's from 1992 uh tori amos i've always been a big tori amos fan though i love her saw her i think we went to the sanger theater in new orleans and she performed there man and she was a she fucking killed it. right just nine inch nails. I want to fuck you like an animal cover on the piano. Yeah. And she's straddling that the sexiest thing I've ever seen yeah. her at that piano. Um, you know, I got to say the same thing about um, uh, the, the Canadian. Uh, damn. Uh, I got to be honest. I never, while you think of this, I just want to say Sarah this. McLaughlin, Sarah McLaughlin, same thing. Sexy is all get up her on that piano. And she, she could sing the phone book to me. Those two behind the piano is the, the hottest musical thing ever. Yeah, yeah. No, Tori Amos, I just remember sitting there going, okay, I don't know much about her. I don't necessarily know more than a, three or four songs. Riveted the whole night. I was blown away. I don't think what? I've ever seen her again since that time we went back in the day, probably in 90, it was probably- 96, <laughs> 97, probably. It was probably had to be 96. 96, 97, sometime yeah. around there, yeah. Tori Amos, holy shit, I haven't thought about her in a long time. Anyway. Dude, this, go back and listen to the song Winter. We never played it. It is the prettiest song of all time. No shit. All right. All right. Great stuff, dude. I fucking love it. I love Great it. Year. So, look, I'm going to have to maybe punt my little story about killing my family to the next episode. Okay. 
which is fine. That's just a tease, you know, and it, and look, everyone's fine. It's all good, but it's, it was, it was a little wild for a minute there. And now, and again, we'll get into it next episode. Remind me, we can start off with it. Cause it's a good one. It's a good okay. one. All right. So I know you had a final thought and I think I kind of, kind of know where you're going with this, but uh, yeah. fire off, fire off. With yeah. It. I don't have time to do this sort of thing on the morning show, but, um, and I hate to go out on a shitty note, but I, I, I like all things now, it's a celebration. And uh, I wanted to mention a, a dear friend of, of ours, Jason and ours, and Jason and I have not even talked about this except for a couple of text messages over the break. Um, but one of the guys that was working at the radio station that we're talking about in the year 1992, and Jason and I are up and coming. Um, this guy worked at the radio station and he was on the air. He was the overnight guy. And he was, he was also a Buff State guy. And I went to Buffalo State College. Uh, and he was just, just a hair bit older than us, but he had gotten in and he's in. And he, he went professionally by the name back then as Max Volume. And I, I think you'll back me up on saying that I don't think that there was a more helpful guy early on in our careers um, than him. I think that he was about as open book as there could have been. There was never any, hey, these young guys are probably coming for my job. There was none of that. It, he opened up the book and he let us look at everything. He let us be a part of it. He let us help him on his show. He let us sit in on his show. Uh, his name is and was Chris Prospero. And COVID got him. And I, I have not talked to Chris in years, and I don't know if you kept up with him, but to get that news, I was crushed because he was so helpful to us when we were just starting out. He had been in radio. He moved to, when Jason and I got our jobs, he was one of the guys that got fired. Okay. Yeah. Full disclosure. He's one of the rock guys that got fired because it was no longer going to be a rock station. It became an alternative station and we were the up and comers. So we got put on that station and those guys just like a line drawn in the sand, they went away with the Ugly Kid Joe CDs. <laughs> and, uh, and then he eventually got a job and he lived a, a great life to go on be married and have kids and uh, lived and worked in radio in Pennsylvania. And uh, except for some here and there stuff on social media, you know, we would check in and comment on the, some of the same stuff and just say, how you doing, bro? And that was really it. Um, uh, I... I I really do a good job of everyone back in the day that was good to us, telling them how important they were to us. I can't in full honesty, tell you that I ever told Chris how important he was to us. And uh, that hit me a little bit. Yeah. We talked to guys that we interned with and, you know, shout out, you know, to guy Jim Pastrick and, and some of these radio guys, Anita West. And I tell them how much, how appreciative I am of them. And I, I, I still a little, I'm still a little gushy uh, about them. doesn't matter what I'm doing. Those are the people that I grew up listening to. I, I, I'm, I don't know that Chris knew, but then looking at the Facebook page and seeing all the people that he helped, he was just a fucking awesome dude. Yeah. And, and, and he died uh, over the Christmas break. And he, um, I guess he was struggling with COVID for a long time. He had, he had had it for like mid November and by early December, that was it, man. It was that it kind of like a month. And, uh, uh, what really hit me was, and you, you said everything that I immediately thought of was that that dude, 
you know, the other guys at the station, you know, they were hard on us. They were tough. They beat our asses. He you was know. hard on us too. He was, you know, but, but he, he, you know, <clears throat> we were closer in age with him. The other guys were a little bit older and they busted our balls. They helped us. They helped uh, us totally, but, but they, they busted our balls and they just, they kept us though that, you know, there was like a, uh, like a 10 foot, there was a six foot, there was social distancing. Yeah. You know, like, okay, I'm going to help you guys out, but I'm not going to help you out enough that you're going to take my job. And, and Chris wasn't like that. Chris was like, you know, here's, here's what's going on. You know, we got to spend some Sunday nights with him and Robbie from the Goo Goo Dolls. And, you know, there was some special programming going on on Sunday nights. And, uh, he just, he just was a fucking awesome dude early in our, in our career. He taught me so much in the fact that, you know, I was working down the hall and I'd be done. I would do this. I would produce a show that was on the radio. Um, and then it'd be done on Sunday nights at midnight. So I could have just packed up my shit and went home. But nope, when Chris was there, I was excited to see him. And I would walk down the hall and we'd talk fucking music and we'd talk about radio and he'd say, how's it going? How's the weekend? Great. You know, and just that dude. And then, you know, he would see me get my ass chewed by, you know, Meltdown or Benson or any of these guys that now, or, you know, like Meltdown's killing it in Detroit. And I still, st- you know, we go back and forth through social media now and, uh, and he's like, I don't fucking worry about that guy. He, he's just fucking barking. He's all right. He, he, you know, he's fine. Don't worry about that kind of shit. You got to grow tougher skin. You know, he was there to kind of hold hand a little bit. Yeah. And it got to the point where we just became really good friends. And we, and on the weekends, we'd go to either his house or my house or my brother's apartment. And we got into this habit of fucking playing poker. And we would play poker and get a case of beer, two cases of beer, and just play poker until the fucking sun came up and we were only playing with change i mean nobody won any money but we just would tell these awful fucking stories and we were just brutal on each other and it was some of the coolest shit i ever did uh as far as just learning about so many different things And, and and chris really helped to form me growing up in a way, because I was so fucking young, man. I didn't know shit. And and I was this little meek, you know, that scene in Bambi where fucking Bambi's uh, going across the ice and her legs are splitting out and she's all fucked up. That was me in radio in the early days. And I just didn't know anything. And and he's like, dude, relax. You're fucking, you can, you know how to do this and stuff. And, and uh, yeah, it just sucks, man. When I saw that, I was, I was crushed. And I had not really kept up with him the last few years either. And just to see that news, man, it's like such a good guy. But all the, like you said, all the things that people are saying on social media about him was like, he was always there to help. He was the first person you went to see when you walked into the station. And he's the last guy you said goodbye to on the way out. And it's like, Jesus, man, just what a great dude. What a great freaking dude. And I, I, I'm still shocked. And his, and his birthday, his birthday was on New Year's Eve. Yeah. So his family, he's got a wife and two kids and stuff. And it's just, that's just the hardest part, man. For anybody that's going through this right now, it's just, you know, it sucks, but man, it's, 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 it taught me. And I think you've already said it, say what you want to say to somebody when they're still alive and and walking, say what you got to say to them, you know, but help people too, you know, and I I've tried to do that. You know, I, 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 everything. And I, I think you feel the same way. We owe everything to that fucking internship. Jim. That's what got us. That's what got us in the building. And there were people that were dicks to us. And you learned from that person. You learned that I don't want to be that way. 
every single thing is a learning moment. You know, when you think about it, it's the same thing in life. But, you know, he was one of the dudes that just was so great. He was so great. And I just, I got lost on his Facebook page and so yeah. many people, you know, because again, we're now, I don't know, 25, 25 years removed. 25 removed years removed from working with this guy. But seeing all the people coming through and saying, boy, Chris helped me with my career. And boy, Chris was here for me. And like Chris did this and Chris did that. It's like, you know, that's just what he did, man. He fucking, he helped and he worked with people and, you know, didn't achieve, you know, he was never on in New York city or LA or anything like that, but he, he carved out what he did and he did it great. And he used that to mentor other people. And, um, that was it. I, I know this is, we're talking about this guy, but I just, the learning moment, I guess, if anybody's still sticking with this is, you know, I, I've always taken that though with me to help people to get into the business. Yep. I, I'm so confident in what I can do. I'm not worried about you taking my job. Okay. That might sound like the cockiest asshole ever, but that's how I feel. I'll show you, I'll open up the books. I'll show you everything. I'll show you everything. I don't mind any of that. I don't hold anything back. If you're interning or whatever, I'll show you the whole the whole thing. You just gotta. I, I just don't think you can outwork me, you know. And that you got to do on your own. Uh, and Chris was like that. He just he showed us everything. He he didn't hold back on anything. And, and working with one of the few. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very much so. And and what was great is anytime we'd come up with ideas, you know, and him and I would always go back and forth all the time on ideas. And he was the one who taught me really. And I'm just thinking of this now. It's so crazy. Is that he was like, you know, we come with an idea and I'd go, Hey, what do you think about this? And then we'd, we'd kind of go back and we'd work with it for a minute. And I go, I think that's pretty good. And then he'd look at me and he, we were always playing catch with some little football, <laughs> always yeah. playing catch, always playing catch in the studio, which you should never do by the way. And, uh, and he'd hum it at my face and I'd have to catch it. And he go, you really, that's you're sure you're sure that's the best you got in you. That's the best you could come up with this. And he'd always push, but he knew when to back off too. You know, he'd be like, all right, if that's what you got, that's what we got. Okay. And he'd always try to find a way to try and go, okay, that's good. Can it be better? So now from that learning experience, I've taken that through my whole career. Can this be better? If I'm writing something up, eh, could it be better? Could it be funnier? Could it be more impactful? Could it have more sting? Could it have all those things? So I'm always asking myself, could it be better? So that's one of the main things I've learned from him. And I'm just thinking about it right now that that's where that came from. You that's know? awesome. And, you know, sure as shit, just to prove the freaking point, I should have told that to that dude, you know? Yeah. I should have told him, but I didn't. All right. Well, that was great. Oh, going back to uh, internships being um, what got us. And, and I've said that from day one in my radio career. If Without my internship, I would be fucking still driving a truck when there's nothing wrong with that, of course. But you know, Jim Pastrick is the guy who, who he opened the door, sort of, kind of, I had to kick it through to get in there. But I sure. let that guy know all the fucking time that if it's 10 below zero and I'm in Buffalo, New York, I will come to his house if he asks me to wash his car in a blizzard and I'll fucking suck 20 dicks on the way there to do it for him. I wow. will do whatever. I don't give a shit. I let him know that, not the sucking dick part. But like, that's the thing, man. You got to let people know. And, and, you know, I mean, it's hard to keep up with everybody, but you get that moment, take it. You Absolutely. Know? And by the Absolutely. way, 
I have learned shit from you. Nothing. Not a fucking thing. I mean, outside of the few things that you got from Chris, uh, I think everything else came from me. So, oh Jesus, Chris, a little weird to be bringing that up right now, but uh, I yeah. think what you just said was untrue. A little bit, a little bit untrue. But you know what? I'm I am dropping tens every day, and I got to figure out what I'm going to do for tomorrow. And being fifty, you know, I I got shit to do, bro. Dropping tens, and next week, you're fucking put a roof on your house or something. Actually, I kind of got to do that. I still got some shit from Hurricane Ida going on here. So anyway, that's enough for me tonight, man. Check out uh, the social media pages at Play Pants Pod. I don't fucking know. What, it's been a while. I've, I haven't done a podcast in a while. So yeah, I think we still have uh, those that are secured at Play Pants Pod. And, uh, and I'll, I'll start doing a better job on the social as well. I, I and then. Stuff. Our YouTube channel, you can watch this disaster on there. And uh, links to Pirates of the Quarter Tours is on uh, everywhere, piratesofthequarter.com. Nobody's still listening. I know. For real? Like you're still doing plugs, Radio Boy? <laughs> I did learn to do that. Keep going. Fucking you're keep no driving plugging. the bus. I don't know. Nobody is listening to this, this segment right now. Actually, you know what? Here's, here's what we'll do. If anyone is listening right now, just comment. When you guys said nobody's listening, I was actually listening. <laughs> okay, no, just, just don't, don't, say, don't even be that obvious. Just write, write the word tippy toe. That's it. I'm done. If you are listening right now on our YouTube page, just in the comments, just put tippy toe on there. Don't say what it means. That's it. I got to go change <laughs> all my passwords now. Jackass. <laughs> all right, I'm out. See you later. Bye. Feels great. Bye, Enjoy everybody. It. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.